With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, kin folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, listening wherever you get your podcast, watching on YouTube. Today, I want to talk about the top non-conference games ahead of this 2023 season. I know it's May, but we're excited about college football here as this is the number one college football show. And I also want to talk with Corey Coleman, who had a great game against Philadelphia Stars. And you might remember was a first round draft pick in 2016 and the 2015 Bolitnikoff Award winner. But first, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in all of topics, and that is the return of an NCAA-like football game to you, to me. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, as we're putting together a rundown, producer Tyler's like, yo, RJ, you can feel anything for EA Sports announcing NCAA 24 and allowing players to opt into it? I'm like, you're damn right I do. I'm, you know, I'm absolutely doing my code red thing out there, man, because this game means the world to me. I still have a PS3 so that I can play NCAA 14. I hunted it down. I found it. It gets run. I'm really, really excited about this, guys. I'm really excited about your road to glory, my road to glory, the integration of the transfer portal, the integration of name, image, and likeness, the idea that your roster is actually something you're going to have to rebuild every single year because that's a sport. So here is what I got from Mike Rothstein at ESPN as it denotes EA Sports letting FBS players opt into their 2024 video game. When the first version of a college football video game in years comes out next summer, the virtual likeness of actual players will be in the game. An EA Sports representative confirmed to ESPN on Wednesday that it has contracted with one team partners to, quote, facilitate collegiate athletes' name and likenesses into the game solving one of the major questions of college football's return to the video game space. The partnership will include the chance for all eligible FBS players to opt in to have their likenesses in EA Sports College Football. That is the new name of the game, EA Sports College Football, the representative said. Those players will receive compensation for being in the game as they should. What's wild is that it took this long for us to get to this point. But what's even more wild is for some time, we thought we would never, ever, ever get to this point because you remember, like I remember, it is blasphemous prior to 2020 to say that players should get paid above the table for anything at all, let alone their government name and what they look like. 
all right? But we're there. We're there, which underscores just how much has changed about college football since the last time that we got an NCAA football game, man. Like, comes out 2013 last time. Denard Robinson is on the cover of NCAA 14 and has made it the guiding light for everything we know about football games because it's the last one. Not because Denard Robinson was anything other than shoelace, but like the idea of Denard Robinson's legacy being he was on the jewel box. That's what it is now. We're all going to remember that one because it's going to be the one that we played more than we played any other NCAA game. But it also led me to wonder aloud, who should be on the cover of the most important college football game since NCAA 14? To which you'll be shocked about this. I got a list. All right. Now, you know how I feel about lists. Lists are great for novices because they identify for people that are new to the thing just what's important and just what's not. And they are fada for experts and aficionados who just want to argue without context. However, I'm going to give you my list and I'm going to give you as much context as I can. All right. So who should be on the cover of this game that has been a part of my life since I was a child? All right. At number five, let's go with Caleb Williams. Okay. I'm going to say Caleb Williams here because he is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and he is already slotted to be the number one overall pick in 2024's NFL draft. He also had the really cool honor of throwing out the first pitch for the Washington Nationals. And I think it's one of those things that you cherish forever that you get to throw out the first pitch at your hometown ballpark. But that's just how good he has been. And a number of people that know from college football, that love college football, that have followed college football for their entire lives have said, he's the best quarterback that I've ever seen. These are the same people who told me Johnny Manziel is the best quarterback they'd ever seen. Same people that told me that Cam Newton is the best quarterback they've ever seen. But if we're going to go with what it is today, and there is good reason as to why you should, it's Caleb Williams on the front, right? That is the dude that the sport revolves around presently. Number four on the list, I'm going to go with Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, right? I think it's important to note that Trevor Lawrence is what most college football fans want the sport to be. He is the kind of tooly and talented quarterback that also has the maturity to lead his team to a national championship as a true freshman, the first player to do that since Jamel Holloway did in 1985. And he did it as the quarterback of arguably one of the five best college football teams of all time. We could talk about what those teams are at another date, but he's also the quarterback of the first team to go 15-0 and en route to a national championship. I really think that it would be cool to see the dude that didn't win the Heisman Trophy get the honor of being on the jewel box for 24. And I'm sure that, you know, frankly, I'd like that more than a Heisman Trophy. That, that's me, though. That, that's me. That's how important NCAA football is to me. It's more important to me than the Heisman Trophy. It's a trophy. Being on the jewel box, my goodness. The jewel box that everybody plays, the, the jewel box that college football fans play, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Number three, let's go with LSU's Joe Burrow. He was not the best player on the best team LSU has ever fielded. But he was the one with the most swagger, the most confidence, the get down to lead LSU to an undefeated crown en route to joining Clemson as one of the best teams the sport has seen, seen in its 150 years and two centuries of playing. I mean, you can't talk about 2019 LSU without Joe Burrow. And the knock against him is that there were dudes at every skill position, right? We talk about them a little bit on Wednesday's episode where RJ has a hard time saying propinquity. Still can't quite get propinquity, propinquity 
this is going to be a running joke on the show now. I'm just letting everybody know that. But 5,000 plus yards passing, 60 TDs, six INTs in an undefeated year for a national championship. I don't think we're ever going to see another player do that. But if we do, we will all say, I saw Joe Burrow do it first. And I don't think that anybody would be really that shocked to see him do be the guy on the cover as he played in a Super Bowl like, you know, two years ago after winning the national championship, you know, like four years ago. My God, the, the ride that has been Joe Burrow, right? Number two, I've got Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett is you and me on the sticks, okay? Stetson Bennett is you and me going, you take whoever you want. You want to take 2008 Florida? Cool. I will take 2008 Marshall and I will cook you with them because I'm that good on the sticks. It doesn't really matter because we're going to get to the line. I'm going to call hot routes and then you're going to vacate the middle of the field and I'm going to make it do what it do with this joystick. That's who Stetson Bennett is to me. He's that guy because how else do you explain a walk-on coming to Georgia, basically being forced to leave Georgia, go Juco, come back and win not just the first national championship in program history over the last 40 years, right? First program national championship since 1981. But do it twice in a row. Like, I went and looked this up because I needed to be sure about it, but A.J. McCarron won back-to-back national championships at Alabama in 2011-2012 seasons. But McCarron was a highly coveted quarterback on a team that had already won a national championship and was just beginning to take over the sport. And, And frankly, we might never see anything like what Nick Saban has built. But all that to underscore what Stetson Bennett has done. I don't think that anybody's ever going to see another walk-on win back-to-back national championships. Not as quarterback. I, I, that's, that's ridiculous, right? The, the idea of that happening is also very college football. It is the character. It is the story. It is the kind of thing that even you can root for. And by even you, I mean you root against Georgia. I know how you feel about it. You probably never say anything nice about Stetson Bennett at all, but you respect the hell out of him. And that's all we want here. Okay, number one on the list. Not a player, but the most important individual in the history of the sport, and that's Nick Saban. Uh, I get that this one is kind of interesting, but producer Tyler on the on the show call made the observation. The idea of Nick Saban on a jewel box cover with his smug look and his folded arms being this thing that inspires such joy for college football fans is one that he smiles about, that I smile about, because that's what it is. It would be a septuagenarian on the cover of the jewel box about playing college football. But that's what you do with the greatest sport or greatest coach the sport has ever seen. The man played college football. The man then went on to change the way it is coached. It is recruited. It is funded. It is evaluated through it all, by the way, realignment, name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, immediate eligibility upon transferring the BCS, the college football playoff, the dude from Fairmont, West Virginia, has bent the sport to his inconquerable will. He is the man who taught Kirby Smart how to build national championship teams at Georgia. He has seven national championships, all right? That's more than Bear Bryant, Newt Rockney, John McKay, Woody Hayes, Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno, Tom Osborne, and Texas. Let's put Nick Saban on the cover. All right, now let's do my top non-conference games for 2023, Okay. At the top of the list for me, Colorado at Texas Christian. That's September 2nd on Big Fox. Texas Christian whooped Colorado 38-13 in Boulder, beginning its run at its best season in school history. Prime's Buffs are going to play the national championship runner-up. 
With Chandler Morris back in the starting lineup, you'll remember he sprained his knee in this game against Colorado. It was a grade two sprain of his left MCL. And he pitched on a pitch play. He kept it, took a three-yard loss, and lost the job to Max Duggan in the same play. I'm sure that he has a lot to prove, and frankly, I'm very excited. I might be the only person that's overjoyed about that game. Texas at Alabama is September 9th. Alabama beat Texas 2019 in that game on the 40 acres, but if Quinn Ewers finished the game, you know that Texas would have won that game because that was how good he was and how great they were operating the offense, and they would have beaten Alabama before Tennessee did, which is saying a lot, frankly, because we would change the way we look at Texas heading into 2023 had they won that game. Next on the list for me is LSU versus Florida. That's September 3rd in Orlando. Florida State beat LSU 24-23, to meaning the Knowles beat the eventual SEC West champ in New Orleans. And these are two 10-win teams that are going to go at it again, but the game is in Orlando this time and not New Orleans. The Knowles are retooled and reloaded with Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, joining Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson, the OU killer, and Jared Verse for their 2023 campaign. But Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, and Harold Perkins are like, cool, whatever, let's run it back. Let's prove it. Now, the game that I think all of us are going to be watching as closely as any is Ohio State at Notre Dame on September 23rd. The Buckeyes won that game 21-0 to in Columbus and shut out Notre Dame in the second half. Sam Hartman is a step up from Tyler Buckner, who was not bad in that game, right? I know he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. And the Buckeyes will begin their season with a new starter, behind center for the first time since 2021, and we still don't know who that guy is. That's a reason why if you're bullish on Texas beating Alabama, yeah, because they don't know who the quarterback is. If you're bullish on Notre Dame beating Ohio State, yeah, because they haven't identified who the quarterback is. And with all of this noise around Ryan Day and his job, which I still think is asinine and stupid, you still got to give it a little bit of run. You have to question what the defense is going to look like. You're going to have to question who's going to throw passes to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. You're going to question what the run game is going to look, back, look like with Trey Henderson sitting out a lot of the second half of last year. And you already know what Sam Hartman is capable of. You already know what uh, Audric Estime is capable of. Now it's can Benjamin Morrison and that defense contain that Ohio State offense. And I am excited about that game because it's in South Bend. There's reason to believe they should win that game in South Bend, especially if you were paying attention last year and it being so early in the schedule. All right. That is my segment for the top non-conference games 2023. Now let's pivot to the USFL and take a listen to me talking with Corey Coleman of the Philadelphia Stars. I'm pleased to be joined by Philadelphia Stars wide receiver, Corey Coleman. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, man. I tell folks about the United States Football League, if I throw a rock, I hit a national champion. If I throw another rock, I hit an All-American. If I throw another rock, I hit a first-round draft pick. You, sir, are a former first-round draft pick. You went to the Cleveland Browns in 2016. But I got to know, did you think it was going that way? Um. Well, like I said, I, I knew I was going first round, but I thought I was going to Houston at number 20. You know, um, I talked to the coaches the whole week, um, leading them to the draft. They came to Baylor. You know, I met with the whole organization and stuff. So I thought I was going to Houston. You know, um, the Browns moved back and drafted me at 15. So I got to know you while I was living in Norman, Oklahoma, covering recruiting, right? So you in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I'm a track dude. And anybody tells me that somebody's dropping 11, sub 11, I pay attention. And then I looked it up, 1083 and 100, 21.76 in the 200, 
and four three two at a spark combine in Oregon. I gotta know, dog. Once you get to Baylor, how does Coach Hart not let you not make you run on the track team? Not make you run that four hundred. So, so the thing was, you know, um, I grew up running track and stuff. I went, you know, my fastest time was not docking. I went ten four and hundred twenty one in the two, and I went you know, four, two, eight, and also four, three, two. So I get to Baylor and initially I was supposed to run track, you know? So I met with my head coach, coach Art at the time. He said, Hey, um, Coco, he was like, um, you can maybe make, you know, a million dollars, you know, running track, or you can make millions of dollars playing football. I say, you know what? I'm going to focus on football. <laughs> hey man, uh, I get it. I understand, but I'm always amazed at just how many ball players like yourself just have absolute speed. And it's it's overwhelming sometimes because I can't teach that. Nobody can teach how fast you are. And that's one reason I think you're back there returning punts for the Philadelphia Stars. But you also got a really cool resume that finished in high school where you played on the U19 team for Team USA versus the world in the International Bowl. And I just want to know what was the experience like? Um, it was it was it was super dope. You know, they put together um, a great thing for, um, you know, some of the best athletes and football players in the world. We came together, you know, they hosted us. Um, it was a great experience. Got to meet some cool people that I'm still friends um, with um, today and stuff. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Now let's, let's jump to Baylor, where you redshirt your freshman year. And then 2013, 2014, 2015, the best stretch of Baylor football I think anybody has ever seen. That 2013 team's, I think, the best Baylor football team of all time. And I just, I want to know, what stands out to you about that 2013 season? Um, I think the camaraderie we had with the whole team, you know, um, they did a really good job um, bringing guys in that um, feed off one, one another and stuff, it's competitive. Um, like to compete at a high level, like to win and stuff. So I think just really just, you know, us coming together, you know, um, and just really making our mind up, like we can go, you know, win this whole thing. So we all thought that it was kind of a fluke. 2013, you win 11 games, it's Baylor, you know, RG3 and the rest, but you know, it's, it's Baylor. We don't expect <laughs> nothing. Then y'all come back in 2014, you throw 11 up in the win column again, but that was a breakout year for you. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm at McLean Stadium for Oklahoma at Baylor. It's the first year McLean Stadium is a thing in Waco. And Oklahoma, I think, had three losses, but still number 12. And I want to say Baylor's undefeated at number 15. I'm like, okay, cool. Oklahoma going to do what Oklahoma does. <laughs> and this dude named Corey Coleman, who go by Coco, decided to give us the what for, give us the business. I mean – I was ready to start up the hearse at halftime because we was dead. 48-14 in that ass whooping. And you go for 15 catches for 224 yards with a TD. I just want to know, was it something that Xavier and Howard had done to you in practice? Was it something that an Oklahoma fan had said to you on Twitter? Did you have to go and hand me my head like that? <laughs> you know, um, when you're in the Big 12, you know, they – talk about rightfully so they talk about you know texas and oklahoma you know and i feel like we was just hitting our stride at baylor you know really you know getting on the map and stuff so you know these games big time games against ou you know it's much stuff they've done so much respect for that um school you know we try to come in and make a statement and say hey y'all we're here in the big 12 we're here we're, we're competing at a high level you know big 12 championship i mean we're big 12 champions and you know i'm really just trying to go win it again 
I mentioned Xavier Howard was playing cornerback on that team and uh, I believe also was drafted in 2016. Uh, What do you remember about him in practice? Because that is a guy that has shown up to the NFL to become one of the better cornerbacks in the league. But I don't feel like anybody, even the Big 12, was paying attention to what he was doing at Baylor. Um, that, that's my guy. You know, it's one of my best friends. So shout out to, to my guy. We talk every week, you know, close friend of mine, um, roommates in college and stuff. So we used to go at it, man. You, you know, you should see some of the um, college film of us competing and stuff. You know, we really made each other better, you know, um, just, you know, bring the best out of one another, you know, iron sharp iron. So, you know, um, we always knew X had it, you know, he has the length, he's super strong, you know, he's fast too, and he got great ball skills. You put that together in the DB, you're going to be successful. I certainly could see iron sharpening and iron because 2015, you had the best season that you had at Baylor, 74 catches, 1,363 yards, 20 total TDs, and of course, the Litnikoff award. I believe in one game you had four touchdown catches in, in a single game, and I think that's still the school record. What was different about 2015 to you as opposed to 2014 or even 2013? Um, really, I was, you know, um, I, w- I was comfortable, you know, in the offense scheme, you know, just understanding what we're, we're doing as a um, football team, you know, on the offense and just really sending film, making everything that makes sense. And once I figured that out, about like the athletic ability and stuff like that, you know, I had my whole life and stuff. And once I tapped in and really figured out like, okay, this is cover two, this is what works against cover two, this, once I figured that out, you know, it, it, it really jumped through the roof and just, you know, been with at the time with Seth Russell half the season, he's my quarterback, been with him since high school, working out with him, you know, the chemistry, you know, when I came into Baylor, I was 17 years old. When I left Baylor, I was 20, 21. I was a baby still. So really just figuring everything out. Now that you are in the USFL, uh, you're also coming into year two of this league uh, returning. I wonder, is there any carryover? Because one of the things that is critical, that people are critical about with the Baylor offense is that it doesn't translate to the pro game, right? And I would look at Corey Coleman and I say, hey man, how much more do you need from a dude that's going to outrun every DB that you got in front of him? But then you get, you're in this league now, right? And you're going against some guys that also are all Americans from places like Michigan, Ohio State, LSU. I wonder what you think of the caliber of play that you see? Man, I'm not gonna lie, I was so surprised, man. Kudos to all the guys in the USFL. There's some talent here. When I say there's some talent, there's some guys that can really ball you know, um, each team. Um, I really want to, you know, give thanks and really shout out to um, the Philly Stars, my team. You know, it's unbelievable. Thanks, Coach Bart. I want to say thanks to Marcel, too, our receiver coach, offensive coordinator. Um, I appreciate them for giving me this opportunity, you know, because they didn't have to. Um, they gave me this opportunity coming in and really, you know, um, showcase I can still play this game at a high level. You know, I want to thank the special teams coordinator, too, Coach Bayless. Um, so I was honored. And then, um, I come in here and I see the caliber of guys that can really play, you know, these guys out here really, you know, I was telling my teammates earlier, man, these guys can hit in this league. (laughs) They pulling up, they, they bringing it, you know? Um, so, (laughs) you know, (laughs) no, look, uh, I watched Vontae Diggs, uh, in that game last week and he absolutely bringing the wood, but again, I'm making Comparisons to Xavier Howard, I was asking you about him, and you got another dude that I think is just as good in this league in Channing Scribbling, 
playing corner over there, and now Amani Dennis has come on. I wonder how how many times do you get beat in practice by one of them dudes? Oh, see, we talked about this crazy, you know, this conversation's been had because me and Amani, you know, when I first got here, he was like, you know, see, um, I need that work, you know. Um, hey. uh, and, and, and and I respected that so much from him. So in camp, we're going at it, you know, I'm, I'm going at it. I'm, I'm giving him everything I have. I said, hey, this is going to pay off. You know, I'm pushing off on some plays. He's holding on some plays. You know, that's part of the game. But, um, you know, I really respect him for that. And look how he's playing. You know, I tell him every day. I say, I walk by him and say, hey, man, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, crack a little joke, but I'm super proud of that guy. He busts his butt in practice. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. He wants to get a shot at the NFL. I think he keep on, you know, competing and balling like he has. I think he will. Well, I appreciate you taking time to tell us about your journey to the USFL. It's nice to see y'all get that win against the Breakers to vault you back to the top of the North Division. This team had played in the championship last year, and it feels like y'all are finding your mojo just in time to make a run once again. Corey Coleman, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the number one college football show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Arjun. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks to Corey Coleman for joining us for our USFL player interview of the week. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our lead of screening is Jack Coakley. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next Wednesday. Deuces.